You are listening to Smaller on the Outside, the first, best, and only 24 podcast that you just can't miss. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our webpage at sotopodcast.wordpress.com. Hey everyone, thank you again for listening to Smaller on the Outside. Just a forewarning, we had some technical difficulties while recording this episode. Our microphone was plugged into the wrong slot, and our computer acted as a microphone. What sucks about that is the computer's microphone acts as if it records you from under the water. I sincerely apologize about that. It won't be like that next time, I promise. And uh, thanks for your patience, and without further ado, episode 3. The following takes place between 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. on the third day of the third month about the third season of 24 that coincidentally is also the third episode of the third season of Smaller on the Outside. Hey! Some kind of, like, special episode. Yep, yeah, welcome to Smaller on the Outside. My name is Dave, and I'll be your CTU agent this evening. And with me, as always, is the analyst. Andy. Ah. But first, of course, we have uh, our analysis that we always start off with everything. Um, so. First off, Heroes Reborn. We just uh, uh, got word that, like following in 24's footsteps, it was announced that another one of our favorite shows would be coming back for a 13-episode miniseries. That's Heroes. Uh, mentioned that, not only because of 24, but because it opens up a possibility for uh, smaller on the outside to talk about heroes, uh, it'd be it wouldn't be until next year, of course. Uh, but it, it would just it'd be just like this. We would rewatch the series. Uh, there's only four uh, seasons, and then they're all available on Netflix, just like 24, and it'll be leading up to uh, first the digital web series, and then the season of Heroes Reborn, but since we're so uh, far off away from the series beginning, there's no way to tell if we'd be able, if we'd even be able to make it in the first place. Or even if we'd even want to watch Heroes Reborn. <laughs> Andy doesn't want to see Heroes Reborn. We don't know anything about it. It's Heroes. It's a complete, and it's, complete reboot. It's, it's, uh, it's not a reboot. Uh, but reborn? So what? Could be a reboot. It's Tim Kring, though. And he was the main writer of the first season. And the first season, everyone thinks, is the best. Yeah, I know. It could be a good show, but I don't know if I want to watch it if it reboots it. I don't think it's going to be rebooting, because I don't it think they're... It depends for me. I don't think they're trying to start a new series. I think mm-hmm. they're... This is a standalone, like, this is going to be this. It all depends for me on what the show's going to be. Um, and just like any other new show, I'm gonna evaluate whether I want to watch it. Also, and as you know, on Smaller on the Outside, we're devoted to all things Doctor Who, which includes things that totally aren't Doctor Who but are supposed to be, sorta. It's pretty well known. NBC's community has its own spoof version of Doctor Who called Inspector Space Time, and it was announced that it's going to be a movie in theaters based off of Inspector Space. In theaters? Space. Yes, and. uh Sylvester McCoy apparently is going to be in it as well. Is he going to be the inspector? I don't think so, because there's always the same dude playing the inspector in the community, so... Now, they made they made a web series on YouTube of Inspector Space Time short videos. Really? Uh, I don't think they were able to call it Inspector Space Time because of copyright or whatever, but they it's the same thing, the same guy and everything. Yeah. The last, uh, in the last episode, we talked about thinking we're the only 24 pockets out there, and he just made his little joke and saying, well, maybe you should just look into that and see if we are the only 24 pockets. No, no, we're not. We are not the only 24 pockets. I didn't have to look very far either because there's one called The 24 Podcast. And do they, are they, did they just start recently? No, no, or they, have they been going like since the show was they, on? I don't think they've been going since the show is on, but they've been going for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple that I know of, and that's one of them. Uh, and I also wanted to give a shout-out to the Kurt and Jeff show uh, for con- congratulating them on taking a 
big step into the world of podcasting. Uh, I know Kurt, Kurt Richardson, uh, and Jeff is, uh, Jeff Go, Goker or Gauker. I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Gooker. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I know Kurt Richardson a little bit better, but they were both in our movie Buff and Drake, so to speak. Um, the, this podcast is run by Kurt and Jeff, and it's an uncensored look at life from comic books to the paranormal. There's nothing these two won't talk about. Uh, so it's one of those where you just sit down and just talk about whatever. Ramble. Uh, ramble. Cast. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's one thing I could never do because I, I need to have an organized thing. Because if I was sitting here just talking about nothing, we'd end up just sitting here for long periods of long pauses and we're like oh what i like i like <laughs> i don't like being completely structured i like having a topic that we know well know plenty of stuff about and then just talking about that kind of like what, that's kind of what we did with doctor who too it's like okay let's yes, talk about this episode. yes but that's the difference is when we started podcasting way back in 2007 we were it was called the extraordinary project and we just talked about one topic, which is TV, but we just talked about whatever the heck we were watching, and that kind of doled down because we didn't know what we were going to talk about next. We're just talking, and uh, we didn't. We kind of lost the drive to keep going. We didn't have a main goal, and we have a main goal now, which is you know we're going to talk about this show now. We're going to talk about that show then, and then our main you know mothership of podcasting is all about Doctor Who, but. I have a comment about uh, Inspector Space Time. Random. You can stick that in there if you want. Um, so, in Inspector Space Time is part of the show Community, and Community fans always like to um, support their show with the hashtag Six Seasons in a Movie. Yes. Because that's something um, Abed said at one point in the show. Yes. Is this the movie? <laughs> It might be the movie, but I don't think that's what they were planning to, on in, in the beginning. But so is it going to be six seasons of the show? I don't think there's the Inspector Space Time. I really movie? don't think that there would be an actual community movie, but I think they could definitely you know, stick this as the quote-unquote community movie. I, I think it would be cool if they did Inspector Space Time with like the community cast. <laughs> yeah, like with Abed as the inspector, Abed as the Troy as the companion. And then everybody else shows up, you know, throughout villains and stuff. Oh, Troy is on a boating trip with, uh... Right. And I'll have, uh, have Pierce be the villain. <laughs> alright, alright, that's enough for you. Alright. Congratulations and good luck on the podcast, Kurt and Jeff. Uh, so we're gonna talk about, uh, uh, 24 Day 3, but before we do that, let's talk about 24 The Game. Since, uh, that was our... Oh, that's right. Uh, it was our... In between seasons two and three, we did mention that things. last episode. Yeah, we said we're gonna watch uh, the cutscenes. Cutscenes. We had we we were talking about watching them on YouTube, but the YouTube version of quality kind of sucked. So we took the PS2 game we actually had and found a way to rip the videos off of it mm-hmm. because we couldn't play the game off of any uh, emulators because emulators suck apparently. Yep. So we watched those, and obviously wasn't stitched together like it was meant to be watched like that, but uh, it answered some questions uh, about, you know, what was up with Palmer's hand going crazy, and... Uh, it didn't answer questions, but it kind of focused a little bit more on that. Pretty much, you know, get him out of off, you know. Uh, as for plot of the story goes, there was pretty much... It either uh, meshed together a lot of stuff we've already seen, like some favorites, you know, some... Um, there was some stuff from future seasons in there too. Yeah, some future season stuff there too. But uh, the one thing that was kind of its own thing I thought was pretty cool was creating a uh, an earthquake that would level Los Angeles, which uh, reminded me a lot of Arrow. Arrow, yeah. And they actually had a separate, which is funny considering uh, season three. Yeah, they uh, they had a separate bomb that. Uh, they didn't know existed, which ended up leveling Los Angeles. I'm I'm shocked that they didn't even mention this in this season. Uh, <laughs> it didn't level Los Angeles. It just kind of didn't level it. No, it, it shook it, it up a little bit. It just made a big earthquake. 
but it also introduced you to some characters like uh, Chloe and uh, Chase, and it showed you that Kim started working at CTU, and and uh, in the way we are introduced, well, Chloe's hardly in it. In, in the beginning, Chloe and Chase are working for DCCU. Sure they are. And um, <laughs> and I don't know what they're they're following some lead, but that lead is somehow connected to the rest of the story. And so Chase goes off to fly off to Los Angeles, and he takes like five hours to get there, which is cool. Um, but then you don't see Chloe anymore. And then Chase comes over to L.A., and he doesn't actually join LACTU, but he helps them out. And then some, at some point after the game, he joins LACTU. But that's when Chase met Kim, basically. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Uh, because uh, games are done a little bit differently than TV, they couldn't have just, like, two main arcs because it needs to keep the thing going uh the game playtime total is only about there, eight hours. there's just so many plot lines going on so many threats that end up happening and you're like no season of 24 has ever had that much crap in there which and is funny because when we watched the cutscenes, the cutscenes were only like 80 minutes long yeah <laughs> so that's like two episodes of 24 but it's pretty cool because they have uh you the time they have uh, they have the time format and they also have some uh, making up uh, making up stuff at the yeah. end which is kind of cool have the uh, actors talk about the game yeah like I think last episode I said that I thought the entire game was 24 hours like if you, if you played it it's around 24 hours or something I don't think it, I thought but it was I was played wrong fast. I was wrong it, I looked it up and it's only about eight hours long yeah which which kind of sucks because you, you can think, take a break and eat your lunch and then go no on. no I mean I, I figured, like, okay, here's, you know, the following takes place between 1 a.m. and 2 p.m. <laughs> the following takes place between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Yes. And then I'm... that that should take, that whole section of the game should take an hour to complete. That's what I think. I think it should. I think that uh, would be cool. it wouldn't even be that hard because all you have to do is make, like, one of the puzzles a little bit more complicated and make it take you a little bit longer to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, when I read the 24 Declassified books, you can read a chapter pretty darn fast. Uh, but at le- I think at least it makes it feel like uh, it could be an hour, anyway. So, the events that happen. Yeah, so there's that. Um, but that was the game, and uh, the third season takes place like two and a half years after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Day three. Uh, and Palmer is seeking re-election. Yeah. Season three, otherwise known as uh, the one with the virus. Send a message. This morning, our alert level was raised to red regarding a possible biological attack on American soil. There's no known antidote or vaccine. We want the release of Ramon Salazar. If you refuse to comply, the virus will be unleashed. I'm concerned about you, Jack. Things you did to get me here. I wouldn't wish on anyone. He has the infrastructure to launch a biological attack on our soil. It is without a doubt the most lethal threat that we have ever faced. When I went undercover with the Salazars, I had to give them my soul. And now you betray your own people. I'm offering you the chance to control how your legacy is written. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? To an ex-president! Unless you do the only thing that makes sense here! I don't negotiate with terrorists, Jack. I would be declaring open season on the American people. If we don't stop this virus, the world as we know it will change forever. This plan was to prevent the outbreak, even if it costs him his life. You're going to tell me what you know. If it's the last thing you ever do. You are no longer in control of your country, Mr. President. And if you do not use the full power of your office to execute my wishes, the virus will be released. You betrayed everybody you know. You murdered Jack's wife. I almost lost Kim, too. I'm not going to let that happen again. I will do everything I have to to protect everything. God's sake, Jack. There's something called due process. It's why we've got judges and juries and laws. I'd take a bullet for you if I had to, but right now I'm going to hold the mirror up. I see no other choice than to draw a line in the sand. I trust you with my life. If I ever need you to trust me, now, the virus has been released at the Chandler Plaza Hotel. One person gets out, it can start a ripple effect of disease transmission throughout the city. Orders a shoot to kill anyone who attempts to leave. Make it about getting revenge. What, are you acting like she's already dead? Yes. 
and so should you. If containment isn't total, it'll grow exponentially. If there ever was a worst-case scenario, this is it. The greatest threat to world peace comes from this country. If you fail to comply, you know what I'm capable of. You know what I'm capable of, too. Jack. Michelle dies. I'll kill you myself. He killed hundreds of people in this threat to kill thousands more. I cannot allow this virus to get into the wrong hands. Sometimes you have to do the wrong thing for the right reason. I know it's extreme, but it's the only move we have here. Your daughter's infected. I'm gonna make you lose her and die. Forgive me. Uh, on the day of the president, uh, on, on the, the day, day of the California presidential, presidential debate. debate, yes. <laughs> um, the setting, uh, what you should know, what's going on before the season starts. Jack is the director of CCU, I believe. Uh, he, he is part. Oh, he's the director of Field Ops. I think he's they, the director of Field. It's I think so they changed. I think they changed some things around because originally there was just a director of CCU, but I think now there's like a director of Field Ops and a director of like everything else. Yeah. So, like, Tony was the director of everything else. Jack was the director of Field Ops. I think that's how it was. Yeah, it's hard to... So. Because, so, whenever Jack wasn't there, Tony was in charge. Chase is Jack's partner at this time, and he is addicted to heroin. That's Chase, the first no, thing. no. Jack is addicted to heroin. The way, you said uh, it, way I said it was wrong. <laughs> he has a partner named Chase Edmond, and Jack is addicted to heroin. Okay? That's all Jack's stuff right there. For the first 12 episodes, he's addicted to heroin. Yes. <laughs> Afterwards, it doesn't really seem to phase him. Well, this is all before the season starts. <laughs> he is addicted to heroin before okay. it starts. Yeah. Um, Palmer is still alive after the attack on his life, and he is president. Um, he is dating his doctor. Um, <laughs> he has appointed Wayne Palmer, his brother, as the new chief of staff, and he is virtually the same character as Mike. Yes. <laughs> And he is also, again, in Los Angeles because he's preparing for a presidential debate. Which is funny because, really, uh, California tends to vote the same way, usually in presidential races. Uh, so it's kind of funny that they're focusing on California they just so much. Don't, are they just never know what to do when it comes down to time differences. They have yeah, always been the same. They've been in the time, same time zone in uh the entire series so far. Yeah. That's going to change. Eventually, the president is going to be in Washington, and Jack is going to be in L.A., and there might even be a flight in between there at some point. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, as Which for, means Jack would be out of commission for, like, four episodes. As for Kim, she's been working at for CTU in the last two and a half years, and she's dating Chase. And they've been dating for three months. Yeah. Uh, there are, Even though they've known each other for two and a half years. There's a family named the Salazars, and uh, Ramon Salazar is a big drug lord type dude. He's in prison, and his brother Hector doesn't like that. That's all you need to know about preseason. Uh, there's this dude named Kyle. He seems to be a normal kid. He's been he has gotten into the drug dealing game, but well, he's it's a, a he's a he's a he's mule. a pawn. He's a mule. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's he's uh yeah he he took a gig to transport heroin to somebody else. Yeah. Um, Michelle and Tony are married. And uh, the... Do you know that in the game? Or are they just dating? I think they're just dating in the game. I don't think they're married. It's only six months later in the game, so yeah. probably just dating. Uh, the new CTU agents this year are Chloe O'Brien. And for the first half of the series, the first half of the season, she sucked. Yeah, I, I, I have that part in my notes pretty, <laughs> pretty extensively, too. Um, Kim is one of the new, obviously, I already said. Chase is working for L uh, CTULA now. Uh, Adam Kaufman. Not Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, it's Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Kaufman uh, and Guy L, who is... And who is Adam Kaufman? He is uh, Spock. Silas Spock, you know, that guy. That guy, yeah. <laughs> and Guy L is the, the other new CTU agent who's supposedly a quote-unquote mole in the beginning of the season. And that's the first but thing... But we know right away. Yeah, like, you know right away who you know, that guy is a mole instead of it, you know. Which, it, you. which should have been suspicious, the fact that we knew it right away. Yeah. That should have been... Like, they're going to they're gonna twist it on us. Right. And they did. Yeah. And he's just negative. 
fearing the worst. Uh, act one. Um, both of these, there's two acts a season, and uh, both are exactly 12 hours. Um, the this, this show starts off with a dead body in uh, in plastic wrap left at the National Health Services. And it was found to be infected with something called the Cordilla virus, which is a weaponized virus. Cordilla virus. Yeah, it's a weaponized virus. <laughs> That will kill just as about as many people as a nuclear bomb in the time span of 24 hours. And and then anonymous phone calls sent. Now, okay, hold on. I have a I have an issue with that. What's that? A nuclear bomb. You can measure how many people it's going to kill because it has a blast radius, and then there's radiation that's going to stay there at a certain amount. You can measure that. Yep. Virus deaths. You can't measure that. They were they were measuring it versus. this is how much it's going to be in 24 hours. In 24 hours? Yeah, and then it's going to climb after that, but in 24 hours it's going to be like Even a million then, some you people. you can't really measure that because you don't know how many people are going to come in contact with everybody else. It's just very, very, very difficult to predict. Uh, well, anyways... Ultimately, there, it yeah. has the potential to kill practically everyone, right? Yes, everybody on the planet. Well, no. Pretend, it has the potential that that could happen. Yes, it could happen. Yep. Um... There's an anonymous phone call that's sent to CTU to release, uh, with an order to release Ramon from prison or the virus is going to be released in LA. And Jack concludes that this can be no other than Ramon's brother, Hector. Now, the Ziploc body led them to Kyle because of uh, reasons. reasons. <laughs> they, they ID'd the body. It was a, a dude that's has some kind of tie to drug trafficking and stuff like that, and they go to this person, to they that found, person. They found a guy who told them about Kyle. I remember that. Yeah, they, it was a drug exactly. dude. It was a drug dude. Uh, and this is, it leads them to Kyle uh, because it's a $10,000 bag of cocaine he smuggled across the country. It's thought to be really the deadly virus in disguise because no bag of, you know, Cocaine is ten thousand dollars. I wouldn't know. Well, that's what they said in the show. Oh, okay. the, by the way, the cocaine is not the virus. Well, that's what they find out immediately. Not immediately, it took them probably eight episodes to find that out. No, after they find Kyle, they, they find him within the same episode. Uh, and I mean, they have not find Kyle. Find where Kyle lives. They find out that episode that the bag is not. Well, that was at least like six episodes. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm already talking about what's the event of the show, and now it's where they find out the cocaine is not the virus. So they think Kyle is. They think Kyle is the carrier. Uh, so, so Kyle has no idea what's going on. He runs to a mall, uh, and he's caught by the bad guys after Tony is shot. Um, he's caught by the bad guys so Jack has no other choice because he can't get Kyle so he has to break Ramon out of prison and deal with the uh, Hector's demands because he does not want that virus to be released because Hector has the virus Uh, sure he does uh, but eventually CT does get to Kyle but they can't tell Jack because he's already broken Ramon out of prison and they're all on their way down to Mexico. And by the way, they find out after that Kyle isn't the virus either. Because. Apparently. Apparently. It turns out Jack, Tony, and Gael, the mole, were all working together, right? And there was no such thing. You know, Hector didn't have this virus. He never did. Now here's the problem. This is one of those twists where it's like, okay, no way. Because you look at it, you if you know the twist and you go back and rewatch the first eight episodes or whatever, you're going to be like, they did not have this plan. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff that happens just does not make sense if Jack knows about this. Like, why would he call the president and ask for the president's authorization to break out Ramon? Why yeah. would he do that? Yeah. See, here, here's, Why wouldn't he just do it as a criminal, yeah. you know? 
that's what I have written down here. If Jack was the guy that delivered the virus-ridden body in the beginning, which they find out later, and knew the Salazars didn't yet have the virus, he sure did a good job convincing everyone they did, and going after Kyle Singer seemed really, really pointless. Tony was apparently part of the team, too, and yet he decided the best way to keep cover was to bring an innocent kid in that's not a carrier of a virus, and he gets shot in the process in the neck. And also, yeah. why was Kyle and his girlfriend kidnapped by the bad guys if they knew they didn't have the virus, too? This is one of the bad kinds of twists. I think they did plan on having Jack uh, go into cover, go back into cover with Ramon, I do think um, they planned on Gael being part of that. I'm not sure about Tony. Because if you look at the beginning, Jack has that tattoo. He has the heroin problem. I think that was all in the plans to get him back in the cover. And I do think Gael was part of that. But I don't think they had everything yeah, so planned out properly. Basically, that one episode, they're like, Gael's this double agent. And he's, he's working for the Salazars, but he's really working for us. And then, so he's the double agent. He... But when they find that out, he tries very hard to escape CTU, points a gun at everybody while trying to escape. And then he looks super, super worried that he's not going to get out of this alive. And then the next episode, he's like, guys, guys, I'm on your side. And then we just accept that for the rest of the season. Because <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, that was the bad kind of twist. It, it, they... they pulled it off all right, but it was not planned. Not, not entirely. Parts of it were, but not the entire Anyways, the plan was that Jack goes undercover with the Salazars and he is present for a sale where they are given the virus because they had uh, never had it to begin with. Uh, he then infiltrates their team and takes the virus off the black market completely. That was the plan that they Told us halfway through the season, uh, almost halfway. Um, but it doesn't go down like that because it turns out to be a blind auction. It's not a a sell, a sell from one person to another. It's a blind auction, and the highest bidder gets the virus, and the highest bidder turns out to be dun, 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 dun. Nina Myers. Nina Myers. And I knew I knew Nina was in this. I thought she had actually would show off up a lot earlier. I thought, from my memory, I thought Nina was the one that dropped the body off in the beginning. I thought that was interesting, yeah. the way that happened. Um, and so I thought she was going to show up a lot earlier. I, thought, I knew she was in Mexico. Yeah. But it took, it took her a lot longer to show up than I thought. Uh, so Jack has to kind of change his plan around, right? So he has to now convince Nina that he's also bad, which is much harder because she knows Jack. She knows so this guy's working for CTU, and to convince her, he had to kiss her because apparently, um, being bad means that you have to forgive the person who killed your wife and make out with her for five, for five minutes. Right. You remember this show is in real time. It is in real time, and they are kissing for five minutes straight. <laughs> and then obviously she doesn't believe him. So, and then after five minutes, she suddenly is like, "Nope, no, nope, sorry, Jack." <laughs> That was a good try. And then he's like, let me kiss you again to prove it. He keeps on trying to kiss her again. He's like, no, 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 no. No, I'll kiss different this time. <laughs> but she doesn't believe him, and the deal still goes Jack's way anyways. Uh, the, so basically she would give him the virus after she gets it from the the dude. I don't know the dude's name. Uh, Michael Amador. Amador. So Nina is given the virus, and Ramon takes the virus, when CT, and then uh, CTU starts infiltrating everything, right? Ramon has the virus, or he thinks he does. And it turns out the whole thing was a ruse. The vial there sold blows up because it was really a bomb and it kills Ramon uh, because uh, Amador was... Just wanted money. He had the virus. He had the virus, yeah. but his plan is just to kill everybody along the line, which is honestly a really good financial plan. Then, well, I don't think he was trying to kill everybody. He was just he he wanted to make not only he was part of the whole plan in the beginning to release the virus, but he's like, why don't I just get a little bit more money in the process? And so he does that. He leaves 
uh, a bomb with the person who bought the virus just to take out witnesses, basically. And, but, but the idea yeah. was he just got like $240 million. Yeah, yeah. They were off. Jack's team was offering like $225 million for the virus. Yeah. But he really. And in the whole plan, he was trying to get the Salazars to believe that they could sell it somewhere off for uh, someone else for a billion. But it should sound iffy to Jack at all that it sounds way too easy to be true. If you can get a virus for $225 million and sell it for a billion, it should, something should be at least sound off. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. Emma- and then, okay, here's another problem I have. Um, as soon as Michael Amador gets away with the virus, yep. Jack's first thought is, let's go after Nina. Yeah, let's, uh, it's time to get her because I think he was trying to get her to get Amador back or something. I don't know what that was about, but it was the weirdest idea because he should have gone after Amador. I think it, if anything, there was a personal problem, but Chase just went along and was like, alright, yeah, let's do that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Anyways, that was actually the, the end of the first act before it goes on to the second one because the second one, the main, you know, villain, the main antagonist was Stephen Sa- uh, Saunders. Um, because Colonel Sanders? Amador sells the virus to Saunders, and then we have Act 2. Um, when they're, uh, when everybody was flying back to CTU from Mexico, Nina orders them to turn the plane around because she doesn't want to be caught up in America again and get screwed over. Um, so she plants put, a virus. She plants a virus in CTU systems, and, uh, Chloe's the one that Chloe, that's it. when Chloe actually yeah. gets a good role in it, and she fixes the. Uh, Nina's yeah. like nobody's gonna be able to, to fix this, right? and it, that starts to really show you how cool Chloe is. Is she can she can do stuff that nobody else can. Nobody else can basically. Yeah, and so that surprises Nina, but that means that they they got. Nina. So they got. So this time they actually got to restrain Nina, and they interrogate her. But she tries to escape everything through faking her suicide, and well, not fake. Uh, well fake. she tried to get suicide, and then they were trying to patch her up, and then she she just she's just she's just trying to get out of there no matter what. She she escapes, and Jack's like, "You don't have to." He <laughs> he catches up to uh, uh, Nina in the same room she killed Terry, and uh, kills her. Boom, boom, boom. First huge, first huge kill of really the season and one of the biggest kills of the series. Uh, most memorable. One of the most memorable, yeah. Um, and Saunders, uh, at this point, somewhere around this point, we find out Saunders knows Jack. Uh, and we don't know how he knows him because we just know that he does. Uh, but it, we turn, we find out that the reason why he knows Jack is because, again, it was talking about that Kosovo mission with the, uh, Drazens and Palmer and all that. It was the same mission yep. this guy was part of. Which, again, makes everything connected still. Every season so far, they've been somehow connected with each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, basically, this guy has huge control, huge manipulator. He can do whatever he pleases because he's got power. He's got the thing that everybody fears, which is a virus. And he controls uh, Palmer to do his evil bidding, like saying something like the sky is falling on TV or kill Chappelle. And that was the second iconic, iconic kill of the series. Of, of not, the season. Not, of the season and also an iconic kill. There's another of the series. big kill later, but I wouldn't call it iconic. Yeah, <laughs> but that, <laughs> but that, it's hard to forget when uh, Jack kills Chappelle in that episode. There's some good uh, cinematography there too. Oh, yeah. Um. Meanwhile, the first virus is released in a hotel with several CCU agents inside, including. Right, uh, two, eight, two two CTU agents are inside the building when they have it. Michelle and Gael, and the virus explodes in Gael's face. You know he's screwed. Well, uh, two that we know of. I think there's a bunch of CTU. Oh, there's a bunch of CTU, but main, <laughs> main cast stuff. Yeah. 
However, Michelle's immune because she's the main character. She's magic. <laughs> she is magic. I don't, you know, they say they say it's a hundred. If you're infected, it's a hundred percent chance that you're gonna die. How was she not infected? <laughs> she's immune to a virus. Immune to infection? Yes. I thought in, immunity just meant that she gets infected, but it doesn't like really. Like, she should have like, been like still feel for me. She what she should have been is at least a carrier. Yeah. That's what she should have been. Um but even though right after she, she finds out she's immune, she gets kidnapped by Sandra's men in order to control Tony, because at this point they're about to find find and arrest Saunders and he orders Tony uh to get him out of there because he's got Michelle, he's about to kill her, and Tony Finds a way to allow passage way for Saunders to leave. Um, well, Jack quickly finds that out and he takes over CCU. Um, but then he helps Tony find and save Michelle. Uh, and that's when they catch Stephen Saunders. Mm-hmm. Right after that. Um, and then kill the Wait, what? <laughs> Did you skip over the daughter? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Saunders tells them the location of ten more vials because they're threatening the life of his daughter Jane, and that's the one thing he won't allow to happen. Um, is them put his daughter? The only thing he really cares about, basically. The only thing he cares about is his daughter, and they were about to throw her into the <laughs> the hotel. And, uh, I feel like was it the hotel? Yeah, it was the hotel. I was I was wondering if maybe it was like a containment area which was full of dead virus people. Because if that was the case, then she wouldn't have been infected, right? Because once they're dead, they no longer are contagious. But he uh, he ends up he ends up caving in and telling them the location of ten more vials of the virus throughout the country, and they're taken care of in like ten minutes. <laughs> but one is left, and it is conveniently in Los Angeles. Well, I think that's because the hotel was just a practice run. I don't think that one actually counted. And so the other one in L.A. was the actual real deal. Which runs us into the last episode of the season, where they track the man down to a school, and Chase finds the man. They have a little tussle, and in order to make sure the virus uh, doesn't get in the hands of the bad man, he locks his wrist to the virus. And then Jack has has no other option but to cut off that hand. Uh, well, he tries to defuse the bomb, but that's impossible. It turns out, unfortunately, it was it was it doesn't match what CPU had, uh-huh. so they couldn't defuse it. So he cuts that hand off, takes the the virus, and locks it into a fridge, and uh, it goes off. Threats over. Oh yeah, and uh, Sherry uh, dies. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Well, um, Wait, did we completely skip over the Sherry subplots? Well, I have the subplots right here. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, I, I always talk about the main plots and the subplots. Okay. Because that... Um, yeah, Sherry dies, but that's a... And I would say that's it's an important thing that happened, but I wouldn't call it iconic because I did not remember she died at all. I thought maybe she got arrested. That's something. right. When watching, rewatching it, you completely forgot that Sherry was killed in 24. Um, why was she killed? Let's go back to the Sherry subplot right. first. The first, the first thing about the subplots is there's a lot of relationships going on this season. There's Kim and Chase. Uh, there's Tony and Michelle. There's Jack and Claudia. That's been there too. Wayne and Julia. Palmer and his doctor girlfriend. All right. That's all the girl. Uh, the uh, relationship stuff that's going on and they're all like subplots. Um but the uh, oh yeah and Wayne and I guess I mean Wayne Dave, and Julia. Yeah Wayne and Julia's one uh and David and Cherry's actually sort of in there. Uh but David, they're not in a relationship. David and Kim are not <laughs> I meant Sherry and Keeler. So Sherry and Keeler was kind of hinted at. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what? <laughs> but the thing with Sherry is Palmer needs her help with um, the subplot with Palmer and his girlfriend, Doctor. Um, no. 
Doesn't it? No, Alan Milligan calls uh, David Palmer and saying that he yes that they, this is the uh, this is the Wayne and Julia story. Okay. Yeah. So so he says that um, his wife Julia was was cheating on him with Wayne Palmer, mm-hmm. and he he's a big supporter of Palmer's administration, and he has great power over if yeah. he's gonna succeed in his next. So this term. guy can control the votes basically. He can make other people vote against uh, Palmer's health care bill. Yeah, and he blackmails <laughs> um, black David yeah. to fire Wayne. Or and, he's going to make sure his health care bill doesn't go through. And instead of... Well, he, he had he figured he had no other choice but to stoop down to Milliken's level and he hired Sherry to this help was, out. This was the biggest mistake Palmer could have made. She ends up making phone calls, whatever, finds out that Milken killed some person in a hit and run, but that's not really what's important. What's important is she goes over to confront uh, Julia and uh, Milken, and uh, the guy starts having this heart attack. And before Julia can save, <laughs> before Julia can save her husband, Sherry's like, "No, no, no, no. This is your way out." And so she pretty much commits murder in the second degree, or manslaughter. I don't know what it is, but but she causes his death. She pretty yeah, she's the cause of his death, and then there's a lot of trouble after that because she takes her own the proof of her own uh, criminal activity, and she hangs it over David's head, saying, "If you don't drop out of this race, I'm going to give this information to." Keeler, and you're going to be in prison, and Keeler's going to be president. So he, so he gets Wayne to go to her house when she's not there, and look for this uh, prescription bottle. But it turns out it was on taped to the, her back this entire time. Taped to her butt. But that's when Julia shows up because she believes her life has been ruined by Sherry. And she's going to kill Sherry, which she ends up doing, and then pouring a gun on herself. And this uh, makes Palmer so distraught that he decides to, to leave the race anyways. Yeah. And that was the, pretty much the Palmer subplot. Uh, now, see, here's the thing. I distinctly remember Palmer being president in the White House. And I have these vivid images in my head, and this doesn't make sense to me because I don't remember him quitting like that. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Well, no. I think if there was more seasons, he would he would still have the chance to run again. I guess. But <laughs> what I said was that Keeler is president, and he is an informant to Keeler next season. Oh. Um, another subplot is obviously there's uh, withdrawal symptoms uh, that makes Jack <laughs> crazy. Now that's only in the first act for some reason, but when it was in the first act, he's actually that's done pretty well for what it is. Um, it was okay, yeah, but in real life it would have been a lot more quickly. Yeah. Um, he he goes, I think it's in like episode ten or eleven. Um. Ramon gives him these pills and then he's fine completely after. <laughs> That's right. Those pills were must have been really good. Um, <laughs> the pills were actually no. And one of the subplots that was discussed uh, in the show was uh, Chloe, Kim, and the baby, which is Chase's baby. Um, Once we find out it's Chase's baby, we never see the baby again. <laughs> Once we find out it's Chase's baby. We never see it again. Except in that episode. We see it like more in that episode, and then after that, it's gone. Completely gone. They completely forget about it. So, yeah. Uh, let's talk about... Well, they don't forget about it. They just don't show it again. Let, let, let's talk about some characters, though. So we have Chloe and Kim. Uh, they have similar roles this season. I want to talk about Kim here for a second. Remember last season, uh, last episode, I said... They could have done a better job with developing Kim's character. Yes. Um, I I went on after we we had finished the episode. I think um, the way they could have improved her character is 
if she had actually gotten into drugs herself after Terry's death, um, similar to how Jack is in this season. I think if they had done that, that would have made her character a little bit more darker, and then by the end of the second season, she would have joined CPU. Then I think in third season, she should have been in Field Ops, um, maybe as Jack's partner in place of Chase. I don't know. I think that would have been a good character development for her, but nope, she's she's placed Mm. into what seems like Chloe's place for the first half of the season, and then after that, she's like nothing. Yeah, here's what I... (laughs) Here's what here's what I have written here. Even though Chloe uh, is introduced to us this season, the importance of her character is rather faint in comparison to others, and that's mostly because she was only a guest star and not quite fan favorite material yet. Instead, the importance is handed over to Kim, who was this year's analyst, at least for the first act. At least in the yeah first half. Sort of like where uh, Michelle was last season, yeah. but not quite as good. Knowing future episodes, it almost feels like a crime to get see Kim take all the glory with Chloe sitting in a mere ten feet away doing in all. Well, it's not just Kim, so it's Kim and Adam. Like, so it's even more disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> so she's pretty much doing the job Kim should have been doing from the start, which is secretarial work for Jack. At the same time, you have to give credit to the writers of Twenty Four for not putting Kim into constant danger. But the problem arises when Kim really has nowhere she truly belongs anymore. Right. Which I'm sure is why she gradually disappears from the series. Which is why I said they should have done what I said. If they did what I said, I think they could have developed Kim into a really good character. But instead, they just kind of screwed her up. A bit of importance Chloe actually gets this season is the subplot of watching the baby and who the baby really belongs to. A decent plot. In regards to character, so far you think she's a really annoying brat and can't appreciate anything, but you do realize she has like a hidden soul. But overall, that's not what you expect from Chloe anyways. When CT is infected with the computer virus, we finally saw the Chloe that we love stopping something Nina thought impossible to stop, showing just how smart Chloe really is and ultimately what makes her so important in later seasons. From there on, she gains her importance. As for Gael, instead of repeating season one by filling the show up with red herrings on who the mole in CTU is, they reversed it by showing who it was in the beginning. And from a professional standpoint, I think it can promote originality and an altered vantage point. By knowing it who it is, the audience wants to see firsthand how far he's willing to go. In a way, it satisfies the unanswered question of what Nina did that we never really saw. But, but not really. But not really. Because he's not a mole, apparently. Uh, I don't have anything against the actor, but I never wanted to really care about his character. Uh, nor did I love to hate him. He was just there. He kind of just existed. Even when we learned that he's not actually a mole, let's give him some interest, interesting qualities. Still don't care. He's just there. He's just the character. And he died of the virus. And one problem I have with that they kept saying like he was in intense pain because of the, what the virus was doing to him, and he had the most severe case of it because he got a you know big crap load in his face. Yeah. Uh, and well, the problem I have with it is if you look at those scenes where he's about to die, yeah, he's got all this crap all over his face and his arms and stuff, and it looks really gross. He's not like screaming in agony or anything. He just kind of looks like he's getting weaker and dizzier and stuff. It doesn't look, they're like, he was in intense pain and stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we have Chase. And this year, they gave Jack a partner, which is a fresh idea to be sure, but was that really necessary? We're talking about Jack Bauer here, the guy who shoves towels down people's throats and personally uses hacksaws to dismember people. I can see the use of a reasonable partner to keep Jack at bay, but Chase was so much like Jack that they could have pitched a spin-off series if they really wanted to, and Chase was willing to cross the line, just like Jack, so that imbalance created something that we didn't feel as smooth as it probably should have. When Jack went his own way, the show suddenly got better. <laughs> Sorry, Chase, but your hand deserved it. What that? Oh, it does. Yeah. Look that up. 
Um, as, so Nina came back this season as well, which is it's pretty much a given at this point. But really, I'll be honest. I actually like Nina's role in season three much more than I ever did for season two. I would have actually preferred them to skip a role completely in season two and just waited till season three. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually a cool role in season three. Season three was pointless. Season three was a good role, and forcing Jack to kiss her, I thought, was a smart move. Instead of what feels like is repetitive and cliche, it now feels as if she's behind every major attack on Los Angeles, and every time she leaves the season, I wait for a specific, I'll get you next time, Bauer. Seriously, she's almost cartoony at this moment, at this point. But thank goodness they killed her. That was a good moment. Sherry is kind of like Nina. Sherry needed to die. Sherry was like Nina. It's like, just like Nina. They had to kill Nina. They had to kill Sherry because it, we just know they're just going to keep coming back doing yeah. the same thing they've always been doing. So she had to die. Same thing with Chappelle. <laughs> I don't know about Chappelle. I mean, he was annoying, the thing about people who hate 24 is they, they hate that it's not following the rules ever. And uh, it was almost like Chappelle was uh, a mirror of them. He's like, hello, you guys are never following the rules, ever. What is wrong with you? We have books that tell you how to do your job, and yet you don't ever do them. You're always the doing something the show, illegal. <laughs> the point of the show is if you follow those books, you're, it's not, you're not going to be able to solve you're the terror plot in 24 hours, gonna, that's for sure. That's right. Finally, I want to talk about Stephen Saunders, and I thought he was one of the best roles of the series completely, like one of the best, because he's cool, he's smart, he's calculated. And he had the power over everybody, and he was able to control anybody uh, because he had the right amount of leverage. Um, so there was something cool about his character um, that I liked out of the entire series. Here's what here's what I think of the uh, season. I, I think there that twenty four uh, season three is something that had a lot of great ideas but ultimately had a flawed execution. Um, it draws its strength from the threat of the season, which almost seems to be the best threat yet. No, it's not as explosive as a nuclear weapon, but in the end it will kill just as many people and more if released. It's a, it's a good enough threat that it lasts the entire season. Right, and that's, that's what I said. Like, it's a... It, other seasons, they split it up because they wanted to do this, and they couldn't keep it going for more than 12, 13 hours, so then it split into something else. And this time, it, it went the whole 24-hour period, which is something 24 hasn't done yet, and that was actually really, really cool. Um, so I think the problem arises when the writers have not quit, uh, quite understood when too much is too much, like Sherry and Nina coming back to essentially do the same thing that they've been doing already. Um, even though their roles were better this time, having them come back to do their... It started to feel a little old, and you, you feel that when you're watching it. You're like, I like this season, but gosh darn it, really? <laughs> um, and giving Jack a partner that's exactly like him is kind of cool sometimes, but a better decision would have been a balance between two opposites are reasonable and unreasonable, like Holmes and Watson and Sherlock, The Doctor and the Companion, Doctor Who, Mulder and Scully and X-Files, Sam and Dean and Supernatural. Eventually, it's Jack and Chloe in 24. There's a reason why it's the proven style of character writing. You can't have two characters do exactly what they like, because... In a way, I'm glad that they got rid of Chase for the rest of the series. Um, I think it would have been better if, if Kim was a place of Chase, because then there would be the whole... Uh, the character development between the two. Mm. I think that would have worked alright. Yeah. But with Chase, it's pretty much the same thing with Jack. As far as Jack's character goes, <laughs> it was less about losing his humanity as, like other seasons do. It was more about heroin withdrawal for his, how his character acted. And uh, there are hints in the season that suggest that taking the drugs wasn't about being undercover, and it was yet another act of a depressed man not knowing how to deal with the pain. Uh, then the series has some of the most memorable kills by Jack overall, like Nina and Chappelle. Even though he had no choice but to kill Chappelle, you can't help but wonder if there was another way out. Because if it was Kim, he would have made sure that there was another way. 
so why does it feel so easy to kill Chappelle? And Nina's death, however, was... Because we all hate Chappelle. Right? Yes. Nina's death was uh, clearly revenge. So his personality shift for day three and performance was overall, I think, some of the strongest that we've seen. It's, it changed in the second act, like he stopped being addicted to heroin and uses normal Jack again, so there's that. But then he cries at the last episode, so there's that. Humanity. There's humanity in there, but he is losing it. He is losing it. Um, so, the que- first question is, how does this season compare to 1 and 2? Which, which one is the best overall? Overall. Overall? Yes. Uh, I think I'd have to say out of all the first three seasons, it has to be season two. I think two. Really? Yeah. There, uh, because I don't like how many things are starting to feel old in season three. I don't like um, Well, I, I, I don't I, like I the think, plot holes. This is the first season I've really noticed plot holes. Um, I think if you just look at the season itself and not compare it to the previous season. There are things I like about it, but I like season two. That's a first thing. Season two, you gotta love a nuclear explosion. Yeah, but it's it's almost overkill. There was a lot of um, stuff that I felt disappointed about in season two compared to season three, where I was almost always focused on what was going to happen next. What is the best threat overall in all three? I think, yeah, I think the virus, it a was, a uh, bomb will kill a city. A virus can kill yeah, the world. Not only that, but the, the threat was there the whole entire time. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it takes a little getting used to because you're watching season three and you're like, we just watched a season with a nuclear bomb. How do you, how do you make, how do you, how do you go beyond that? And then they're like, here's your, here's your answer. It's a virus. And then they're like, and then it, it slowly but surely you're like, okay, this is a really big threat, and it. Especially once you see that the virus has been modified to like kill almost instantly, you know, only a couple hours and you're dead, basically. Now, what about uh, Jack? What 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 was has been his best performance out of all three seasons? Like, what's the best Jack? That's tough. That's tough for me. I still think it's two. I think it's two on this one because it might uh, be because this is the first. That was still the first time that you really get to see the basic Jack that we all know and love. That's the you know you don't know Jack. That's the Jack is back. That's that's the guy that you're familiar. with. I feel with. like Jack's. Um, I think his I, withdrawal symptoms changed him just a little bit too much. In order, I don't think that was the problem. I think the problem was with Chase. Chase. Um, a yeah. lot of what could have been Jack was taken over by Chase. And even Tony sometimes, and and uh, so overall, Jack he's been washed out a little bit, diluted, diluted, bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think season two so far is has been uh, Jack's best. Um, but what's the best written season? Best written? Yeah. Probably season one. I think season one too. I think. There's a lot of reasons for that because season one focused so much on the real time. You should have seen how many problems they had with uh, real time in this season. They're yeah. like, I'm going to need air support. And literally like two seconds later, <laughs> there were planes in the sky above them. Yeah, that was really It's like they were out there spinning around waiting for them to say that, which I guess is a possibility, but we had no reason to believe that. We didn't hear any jets we didn't hear we didn't see anything and then suddenly we need air support bam there they are it's christmas and just little things like this where throughout the season we're all saying that was a little fast yeah how how did she everybody got everywhere in five minutes almost every single time and wasn't it that jane saunders got from santa barbara to see to you in five minutes. No, no, she got there. Minutes. It was more. It was more like forty-five minutes, and I believe it was an hour drive. I don't think it was forty-five. I think no, no, at she most started, it was like she fifteen started, minutes. She started 
leaving her place uh, towards the end of one episode, and then she got there like just past the halfway mark of the next episode. So it was around 45 minutes, but that's like a 100 mile drive. Now, um, this is Tinbot's favorite season. I think. Is it? Yes. Uh, I think I remember him. How do we know he's dead? He's, he's told us before when he was alive. Um, a few times. I think his favorite, one of his favorite characters is Chase. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Because Chase is just too much of a mimic of Jack. Yeah. There was, I think there was a lot of potential what he could have been, uh, but ultimately I think if wasn't. he wasn't his, if he wasn't Jack's partner, um, and kind of did his own thing, it would have probably been better. And he did some of that, but a lot of the time he was just kind of following in Jack's footsteps, and it, it diluted both of them. Yeah, I think, well, I don't have any real problems with Jack having a partner, because a lot of shows work with partners, it's just... The, the way they do it. They were needs, too similar. They need to. There, there yeah. wasn't enough uh, variety there. Yeah, I mean, how do you bounce ideas off of each other if you just agree on everything? Like, Tony would have been a better partner yeah. for Jack. Tony is reasonable, but he, he's also willing to. Heck, even Michelle. <laughs> he, but Tony's a reasonable person, but he's also open minded when he has to be. Yeah. And that's what, what Jack ultimately needs. Instead, you have Chase. He's just gonna agree with everything Jack says, mm-hmm. so that's who Chase is. Um, and I had no problem at all not seeing Chase. I remember Tim saying, "I wonder if Chase is gonna be in the next season." Yeah. Every single season, I'm like, "Stop it! He's not coming back." So there's that. Um, next season is. I think Chase was better in the game than he was in the. Season. Yeah, he he was his own person in that yeah. one. He didn't really know Jack very well. He didn't know Kim very well. He was just really his own person. And he he did a lot of like uh, um, undercover work yes. too. I like that. He uh, he was doing that, and then he was also um he was also missing for five hours too. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> That's it. That's why he's better. Um, but do you remember at all how far into uh, years or uh, season four is? At all? I don't know. But I'm thinking it might be another three years. Yeah, they often did that too because there's almost always every season a different. I think it's two or three years. Yeah, almost every season now, or maybe every season now, we have a different president every season. And they keep doing that, I think, because of the three-year thing. Um, I'm thinking it's two or three years, and I think the one after that's probably another one or two years. Um, and that there's a prequel to season four. Um, we'll, we'll get into that next episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna watch that. And by the time you're listening to this, we're probably already halfway done with season four, <laughs> because uh, yeah, we we record these about a week early. Um, we record them when we finish. Them. But, Mike, I want to emphasize, I don't think I've actually said this in the other episodes, but I should have. Uh, you can watch along with us, um, on Netflix, because all the whole thing's on instant streaming on Netflix. Um, and on eight, in HD, and you can't even get, like, Blu-rays of 24 unless it's just season 7 and 8. So you can watch all, the whole series in HD on Netflix. But be warned, because this season on Netflix kind of sucked because it gave us this neon yellow subtitle oh, thing weird. instead of a graphic. You know the graphic in the beginning that says the following takes place between blah, 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 and all that? We didn't see that. We just saw this bright yellow text, plain text, on the bottom of the screen while the rest of the screen... It was in a subtitle. Yeah. The, the rest of the screen was completely black, just that small yellow text on the bottom, and it just threw everything off. I had a theory about that, and I think that um, at this time, this is 2003 to 2004, um, I'm I'm guessing that maybe the network didn't have full HD uh, masters of the 
program, but certainly not 1080p. Right, they had had the SD. I don't know why they wouldn't just put the SD on there. That's what they did for the first two seasons. No. We Dude. saw the graphics of the first two seasons. Well, the graphics were in HD. What do you think if it was playing in... I'm thinking whoever produced season three just didn't have the production, um, the, the, didn't have the production of the, of the full HD graphics at 1080p at least. Yeah. Um, at, during season three. I think during season one and two they actually did that stuff probably on film. Yeah. I think they probably printed it to film and so they could scan that at 1080p. But for season three they probably did it all digitally, but only edited in HD maybe at 720p or, or possibly not in HD at all. We're just hoping that we see the actual graphic, because that does actually add to the experience of 24. Come on now, let's just be honest. Um, be, I, I'm guessing it'll be back next season, because next season, season uh, it would be 2004 to 2005. And in 2004, they created new HD standards where every TV must be must have an HD tuner in it starting mm-hmm. in 2004. Yep. So that was a thing. Uh, so it should be HD. It should be produced properly in HD, yeah. Um, season four, uh, do you remember at all of the plotters? I remember some things, but I remember the day. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember, I, I remember some things, but I'm not going to say. Okay, alright, alright, alright. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, that's going to be on, we're going to release the next podcast for uh, Small on the Outside is going to be on March 17th. Make sure. Yeah. March 17th for season four. Um, which we're going to yeah. And that should be it. Yeah. Give us, shoot us a, give us some comments and stuff. Yeah, we like those comments. Give us those comments. Those comments are awesome because we're going to thank you on air next time. Well, unless we get like 10,000 comments. If we get 10,000 comments, we're going to have to make our own podcast <laughs> uh, where we just talk about who's giving us praise because we're totally going to get 10,000 comments. And most of them will be hate. Oh. <laughs> and most of them will be hate. And this guy said, Hmm. So, I wish Jack Bauer cut off your head with a deck, with a hacksaw. Drop the coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> peace out. I am Dave, the CTU agent. I am Andy, the analyst. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Watt's dead. Alright. Yes, Tim Watt is still dead. Peace out. Alright. Thank you for listening to Smaller on the Outside. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our website at sodapodcast.wordpress.com.